Hello and welcome to the Country Roads Podcast with Blue Gold Sports. I'm your host, Lane Shepard. So that game on Saturday against Texas Tech was hideous to say the least. And you could certainly make the case that game was over in the first quarter and, and it's tough to argue that it wasn't over in the first half. Now I would make the argument that that, that game is not as far away from being very tight or even a West Virginia win is what you think when you go back and watch that film. But Western, you got out outplayed in every aspect in that game. But I think what really the bigger issue is, is Texas Tech out executes West Virginia in that game. And the coaching staff, I mean, it, it's hard to see what the game plan really was in that and, and to fault it. But my bigger point is Texas Tech took advantage of the opportunities that they had. And West Virginia did nothing with theirs. Minus four on turnovers. No run game. And the drop balls are unbelievable. Kind of at this point. I mean, West Virginia drops three touchdowns in that game. Two of them on fourth down. The other one, you may not you know really remember, it's a Winston Wright drops on the first drive. We get a field goal out of it, but he drops on second down. He drops a pass on a cross ramp. It's a touchdown. There, there's nobody on that side. Corner's gone. He's being chased by a linebacker, and that linebacker not getting him. It is a touchdown. And he drops it. Perfect throw. Drops it. Sam James has one hit him in the hip in the end zone on fourth down. He doesn't really get he doesn't get around, just pops him in the hip. Perfect throw by Kendall. And there's another one that Haskins has a chance in the back of the end zone on fourth down. We don't catch it. All of them. Could have been touchdowns. And you think about it, and, and you go back, and you man, yeah, there's 21. No, it's not 21. It's 17 points because it might be three touchdowns, but we did get a field goal. Yeah, that, 20, that 17 points made a bit of a difference in that game when you go back and look at it early on. Now, does Western you win? I don't know. I mean, that, that defense, our defense failed us pretty early on in that game. Now, the, the turnovers make you go, I don't know whether West Virginia really could have ever won that game. Be, you know, being minus four in turnovers, I don't think it matters. I mean, that one off the George Campbell throw, you know, where he bops it up into the air on accident, and there Coleman, who's just a ball hawk, snags it. I, That's just a bad bounce. I mean, it's a bad bounce. But And the one that, you know, the Kendall fumble... I mean, that's really a punt. I mean, when, when you look at the down that we're on and the fact that I, I don't know how it happens, we fumble the ball 20 yards forward, nobody realizes that it's a fumble, so nobody goes to it. And the guy just jumps on the ball. He just scooped and scored that darn thing, and, you know, nobody really know. But effectively, it's a punt. So in a lot of ways, you know, my point is is that that game's not as far away as what it seems. You know, defensively, it, it would have had, it would have turned into a, sh- a shootout. But you're starting to get an idea why West Virginia is not getting points on the board when we have seven drop balls, seven, five of them by Sam James, who has you know an exceptional day, two hundred twenty something pat, you know, receiving yards, but. Drops a touchdown and has five drops by himself. Five. 
How different is that game if he catches that touchdown in the end zone? How different is that game that you've, if uh, Winston Wright hauls in that touchdown in the first drive? How different is it if Haskin hauls in that one? They're massive. But I feel like right now, all anybody cares about is whether it's Kendall or Daggy. Kendall or Daggy. What the heck is that flea flicker where Kendall throws, you know, an interception? That, that's all anybody wants to focus on. That's it. That's what that's what we're all about right now. Like that that's what that's what Mountaineer Nation cares about on Twitter. That's what they care about on Facebook. That's what they care about when they're in the stands on Saturday. And honest to God, it's not the most important thing right now. It's not. Here's the issue. It's quarterback play right now, it's not great. It's not great. But look at this. Western has 51 yards rushing against Texas Tech. They have 14 yards rushing against Baylor. 41 against Iowa State. 96 against Texas. And thank God we got 192 against Kansas. The team in the basement of the Big 12 tied with us. They give us a 78.8 yards rushing in conference. But only 35.3 in the last three games. Why in the heck are we so focused on our quarterback play? Why? That's all anybody cares about. I mean, the whole game, we boo Kendall as a fan, you know, as a fan group. And we cheer like heck when Daigie comes in. We got 50 yards, 51 yards rushing in that game. And we're averaging 35.3 in the last three games. Our quarterback threw seven very good balls that were all dropped. Three of them for touchdowns. All three were throws that a Greer would have probably made the same throw. Not any better. Now, did Kendall make some mistakes in that game? Yes, he did. But Kendall is not the reason why we get blown out in that game. But I will say this, and, and this frustrates the heck out of me, where I understand that people want to be able to voice their thought, and they want to be able to voice their concern and their opinion that, hey, I pay for my ticket. If I want to boo, I should be able to boo, and all right, fine, whatever. My family's had season tickets since the mid-'70s. I am well aware of what it costs to go to a game at Mountaineer Field, and it is not an insignificant amount. I agree. It's a lot. And I'm not saying that you do not have the right to voice your opinion and how you believe in things, because this is America. You are allowed to do that. My opinion is, if you care about the team and you care about the results, which is why you'd say you're booing, I'm mad at the quarterback, or I'm mad at the coaching staff, or I'm mad at the offense, or whatever the heck it is that you say you are, you are not having a positive effect on that offense in any way, shape, or form by booing. So why in God's name are you doing it? How does it help? The point of the coaching staff is to make that team better, to make those individual team, the players better. And I believe they are doing that. My biggest takeaway, and maybe the only takeaway you can really get out of that game on Saturday, is Brown's press conference after that game and how he ends it, where he talks about how they are going to build a successful and winning program in Warwickdown. And that they're going to do it with these players. They're going to do it with the guys that they have now. But sometimes I, I think we kind of lose we lose sight of that a little bit. Because Brown, Brown's going to 
they're, they're, they're going to be critical in their coaching of these players. I mean, and if you want proof of that, go back, listen to the press conference in the Missouri game, and when they ask, why does, Ken, why, does, uh, why does Jack Allison get pulled so fast? He only got two reps. He throws picks. Why does he get pulled out? And Brown, what does Coach Brown say? He says, because he made an unexcusable mistake. He says, you cannot throw to that route against that coverage. You're not allowed to. That is not a mistake that you can make. And you can't play him when he makes that mistake. I love him. We're going to keep, like, he's our guy. But you cannot make that mistake. They're holding guys accountable. They're going to do that. My point is, though, is when you boo them, when you boo Kendall, and then when Daigie comes in, like Daigie's somehow going to be the savior of the offense that's only rushing for you know 35.3 yards per game for the last three games. What do you think? It's not just about Kendall. First of all, you're killing Kendall's confidence. You're absolutely killing him. How the heck does that guy come back onto the field with any confidence after you do that? And don't pretend like Daigie's playing the rest of the next three games or he's not going to play some next year. I'm sorry that Kendall's not going to play those. Kendall's going to have to play. Like it's one of those, he, he's coming back in. It's going to be a you know a balance of how the two play out. But how's that offensive line feel? Because when they're getting booed, Kendall feels like it's all about him. Because that's all anybody sees. Because it's the, as a fan, it's the easy thing to boo. You see the picks, you see just incompletions, and you blame the quarterback. It's the easy thing to do. It's it's the New York pro football thing to do. But the Jets or the Giants, oh, we're just going to boo them. That's what we're going to do. We're going to destroy any quarterback we bring in, boo their confidence out. They get thrown in terrible situations, but we don't care. You know, we're going to kill them. But it's also about the rest of that offense. How do you think that line, offensive line feels? The guys that their only job is to block for Kendall and those running backs. And you boo them. And they know most of that's on them. They're smart. They know. Those receivers know it's on them because they know they're dropping those balls. You can hear it in Sam James's interview. They said, yeah, I had a lot of yards, but I screwed up. What I did today was terrible. You can hear it. They know it. They're not dumb. They set through these practices. But then how do they feel also when all of a sudden Daigie runs on the field and they hear people cheer for him when they know it's not really on Kendall that much. But it's also a flip because Daigie knows too. You don't think as a quarterback he knows that, you know, hey, Kendall's play is not amazing, but, man, he's got pressure all over him. That flea flicker, he's got pressure right in his face, coming right at him. These guys are dropping balls like crazy. So what's Daigie thinking? He's going, oh, my God, I, I, I better be freaking good or I'm going to be the guy that gets booed next. I'm going to be the guy. And they're going to be cheering for Trey Lowe to come in. I don't have a problem if you get mad at guys and make bad choices off the field. I don't. They get a DUI. They do some type of you know assault or stupid thing. I No qualms with that. But if you want these players to be better, don't, don't boo guys and then cheer like crazy when their backup comes in. Because you're killing them. Those guys know how terrible the run game is. They know how terrible this offense is. And they're all looking at how they're going to build it up so they can win in 2020. Coaching staff knows it too. But if you really want this team to be good, 
don't do that. Because that's counterproductive. 100% counterproductive. And you can hear it when you ask the coaching staff about it. I asked specifically a question in the press conference, Coach Brown, about how do you coach a quarterback through the pressure of being booed when the rest of the team around him isn't executing and to get him through that mentally. And you can see the look on his face of the, it's exceptionally hard. It's exceptionally hard. Kendall has made mistakes, and he'd be the first person to say his play has not been amazing at times. But you can slap Will Greer in that offense right now, and it's not like we're all of a sudden start rushing for 150 yards. Our pass protection isn't all of a sudden going to be amazing. And our guys are still going to drop seven balls because seven catchable balls from Greer are the same as seven catchable balls from Kendall. I mean, I thought Daigie looked pretty good in that game at the end. Now, he's not playing against phenomenal competition at the end. My goodness, he made more completions to, you know, Winston Wright than anybody else. I mean, if you look percentage-wise, you know, the distance, you know, the, the amount of throws he made more than five yards downfield, it was not a lot. But he moved around well. He got away from pressure. He made a really nice touch throw over a linebacker that I liked. But, it, but it's too small of uh there's not enough data field there there's not enough you don't have enough you know information to be able to make any real discernible decision on this we're gonna see both of them come down the stretch for sure you know West Virginia's got a hard three game stretch here between K-State Oklahoma State and TCU it's not a great way to finish for a struggling team and you know a struggling offense for sure especially one that's you know Averaging 70-something yards on the game on the season and only 35.3 in their last, you know, three games. But we, we got to support them. I was impressed with how many West Virginia fans were at that game. I was exceptionally impressed with how many of them stayed as long as they did. But if you're going to do that, make sure you're helping them out and not being counterproductive. To the, to the team winning. I do want to take a second to uh, thank our uh, my sponsors before we move on to uh, the, the K-State preview. Uh, Ashley uh, O'Brien, she's a realtor with Realty One Group in uh, Coastal of Charleston, South Carolina. If you're thinking of relocating, you can reach Ashley at ashleyelizabethcollection.com. Also bring us the Country Roads podcast this week is Weed Man Lawn Care. Providing homeowners with a beautiful lawn they truly want and deserve. Get a quote today at WeMenUSA.com. So, Kansas State Wildcats. They have a new head coach, Chris Kleiman. He came from uh, North Dakota State where he had a ton of success taking some national titles and taking them to the national title game. Uh, he replaced Craig Bowl from uh, at North Dakota State after Craig Bowl went to, went to Wyoming. Um, unreal program that they have there at North Dakota State. Craig Bowl builds that thing. Actually, it's a really interesting story. You should look it up. We're not going to talk about it a ton because it's you know off topic. But he taught himself how to fly and got a small plane because North Dakota State, obviously not a massive recruiting budget, not a ton of population up there. So taught himself how to fly. 
got a small plane, so he could go all over the place quickly to see as many recruits as he could to try and get them to North Dakota State. I thought, uh, I mean, it's a pretty interesting thing. So, But he leaves, goes to Wyoming. Chris Bonnet picks up, climbing, picks up right off where he was, having the same amount of success. In case you're curious, North Dakota State's uh, ranked number one in the country right now in the FCS. So they still haven't left to beat. Most, most programs, when they've had by their third head coach of their uh, current run or kind of running out of steam. And uh, North Dakota State's not. It's pretty impressive at this point for sure. Kansas State sets at 6-3 and three right now. Had a bad loss at Oklahoma State earlier in the year. Lose badly to Baylor and then drop one last week to Texas. At, I mean, they Kansas State was a was a surprise in the early ranking, that first rankings by the uh, by the playoff committee. They came in at 16th, um, getting a lot more respect than what people thought they would. And Texas got had had a lot of guys injured. They you know kind of fallen off the map according to a lot of people, but. There was a lot of talent on that Longhorn roster, especially when they got you know a bunch of those defensive backs to return. You know they they end up you know beating uh, the Wildcats down there in Austin in a tight game. It's a three pointer, but this is this is a talented team. I mean, this is one that I think this is Western's hardest game. You know, after Oklahoma that was left on the schedule. You know, despite Baylor being undefeated, I think this is the toughest matchup left for West Virginia. Just based on their style of play, matching up against Western Union's strengths and weaknesses, they they play sound football, which is exactly what they did at North Dakota State. Their you know the offense I don't think is quite where they want it to be yet, but they're running for 200 yards a game. They pass for almost 200 a game, but their big deal is don't turn the ball over a lot. Their quarterback's got nine touchdowns thrown to one interception. Their defense is pretty opportunistic. They're averaging you know, an interception per game. They play very sound football. And that's that's a, that's a problem for West Virginia. I mean, that, that's a trouble where it's one of those. I think right now you can make the argument, West Virginia is not playing sound football. You know, we lost the turnover battle by four last week. And I... If you're asking me to preview this game, I think it comes down completely to our defensive line slowing down their offense. If they're able to ground and pound and eat up a lot of clock and wear our defense out, West Virginia is going to be in a tough spot. It's going to be it's going to be a big challenge for the offense to not have quick three and outs or you know fast you know drive to where they're putting the defense back on the field because Kansas State has a very good chance to really win the time of possession by a lot. That that's the way this offense is designed and that's their strength. And they're gonna try to come in and play some, you know, power football. And Western Union has shown at times, like against Baylor, that's not always gonna work. You're not gonna be able to do that. Texas Tech didn't run the ball over all over West Virginia, but they were able to run it when they wanted to. They didn't put up gaudy stats, but when they ran the ball, they were effective. Kansas State's going to try to run the ball as their primary thing. That That's going to be their, their, their primary pick. Can we force them to throw the ball? Texas Tech was able to throw the ball and do whatever the heck they wanted. That's why they were scoring the defense and get a big, a big lead early, and then we just turned the ball over consistently and 
you know, you're kind of screwed after that. So, you know, obviously turnover margin's a massive piece in this game, as it is any other. I mean, your statistics when you lose a turnover battle are, you know, they're awful. You know, your chances of winning. And when you have an offense that can't hold on the ball very long, it becomes worse. So we're really coming up against, you know, the Wildcats are coming into Morgantown with a very good running game, looking to chew the clock and have long possessions. And West Virginia is averaging, you know, 35, you know, running rushing yards in their last three games. They're completely different. So if West Virginia isn't able to establish a run, which I don't think they're going to be, it's just not likely at this point, not against K-State either. It means that they're going to have to do some trickery. I mean, they're going to have to do some things like end-around passes and these screens you see. And this is why you're seeing flea flickers and wide receiver passes and things like that. Is They have to find ways to fool the defense and get some points on the board, but also flip the field. You know, get punt from, our, for, punt from the 50, not from our own 20. If nothing else, pin them deep or pin them at at least their own you know, 30 and make them drive the field to score. And this is going to be, West Virginia is going to have to execute when they get the ball on offense. Because this isn't a case like with Texas Tech where you're worried about getting, or you know, or Baylor where you're worried about getting in a shootout you can't keep up with. This is a game where you just worry that they're just going to keep the ball, score when they need to, and just wear a defense out. Wear a defense out. Because we don't have the luxury of a lot of depth. We have very little depth on our defense. When they when the starters are in, they're generally pretty good. They didn't have a great show early against Texas Tech. But there's talent there. But we can't get we can't get worn down whether by, you know, quick turnovers on the offense or three and outs. That'll kill us. It's gonna be a very tough assignment and to make a bowl game we gotta win out. We gotta beat TCU, Oklahoma State, and K State. That's that's a big ask. But um, I definitely think you're going to see some Daggy, you know, quarterback in this in this game. Kendall, you know, you're going to see definitely, you know, you'll see both. Um, it'd be interesting, I think, if you see any more Winston Wright in this game. You know, he showed well at the end, but what does that what does that really mean? Like, did, you know, late did did they get him some more touches? So it's we're going to quickly start turning towards how does West Virginia become a better team and program for 2020. And I don't like West Virginia's chances to win the game on Saturday. But I think there's a lot of things we can learn about this team. They've got a lot to prove after last Saturday. That wasn't a great show. And they got a ranked team coming into Morgantown where they can, they've got a chance to show that they're, they're a heck of a lot better than what they were on last Saturday. And I, I think we'll be, be happier with this performance. So that's all, that's all I have for you this week. You know, thank you so much for listening. I'm going to be off for a couple weeks. I'm taking a, taking a little hiatus, a little trip here for a bit, so I'm going to be off and about. But you know, thank you so much for listening. Please rate, review, subscribe. You can follow all of uh, my own articles and also my colleagues at Blue Gold Sports on, uh, online, at Twitter and uh, Facebook. You can find me at LaneShepherd72 on Twitter. Thank you so much, and enjoy the game on Saturday.